Well, good morning. It's great to be here. I'm uh, Matt Carmody, not Matt Stedman. So I'm the youth minister, not the senior minister, just so you're aware. Uh, and it's a pleasure to be here speaking from 2, Corinthian, sorry, 2, Coloss- 2, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. So many books of the Bible. And I think it's a, a really great passage because it helps us explore something that I think we could all use a little bit more of. And that is a little bit more guidance. We could all use a little bit more guidance in our lives, couldn't we? Uh, How could we best be using our time and money? How do we deal with that difficult workmate or family member who just irritates you that little bit? Or should should you stay in your current workplace or should you look for a a new job? There are so many places in our lives where it would be really nice to have some guidance. And there are many people who are willing to sell it. Uh, We have financial advisors who will tell you how to make the most of your money, how to uh, grow your portfolio. You've got counsellors who will give you advice for your relationships. And of course now there's even life coaches who will try and show you in every aspect of your life, these are the routines you should be doing, here's what you should be eating, this is the job you should go for. All for a price, of course. And that's not including all the advice offered on the news and on the internet. In a world full of self-proclaimed gurus, it can be easy to forget that when you need guidance, going to God in prayer is the best thing you can do. I'll say that again. When you need guidance, going to God in prayer is the best thing you can do. And as we delve into 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we'll hear Jehoshaphat's story, who not only knew this, but lived it out. Uh, You see, Jehoshaphat was in trouble. He's the king of Judah, and he's heard that a massive army is coming his way. Not only of one nation, but of three separate nations, all coming against him. And he hears the location where they're already at. They're close. He doesn't have much time. What should he do? Well, if he'd been like some of the other kings of uh, Judah in the past... He might have heard the news and sent some messages to the Pharaoh down in Egypt. Can you come up and help us? And he might have sought out some other allies. Now, the kings of Judah weren't meant to do that. God had told them, you're not meant to seek allies, especially not from Egypt. You're meant to trust in me. He might have gathered his armies to face the battle against the odds, hoping that he could win. But Jehoshaphat is not so proud to realize that he is in way over his head. And so, there's nothing he can personally do about this, so he does three things. He responds, he recalls, and he relies. He responds, he recalls, and he relies. Three R's. I hope that's helpful for you. So first off, he responds in prayer. Verses 3 to 5, it says, Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town of Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard. And then he prays. But before we get into the pray, notice this is not a quick response of, oh, I don't know what to do. Okay, I'll quickly pray. Ten seconds later. Okay, let's keep going. No, he he calls a fast. You can't fast if it's just one hour. It takes at least a day. And he's not just uh, doing it himself. He's gathering all the people from every town into Jerusalem. 
This is a slow, deliberate response. He gathers everyone together for a giant prayer meeting in front of the temple. And he prays. Here's what he prays. Uh, he, sorry, he prays. And in his prayer, sorry, he recalls who God is and what he has promised. So he recalls who God is and what he has promised. Verses 6 to 12. Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms, over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and built a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress. You will hear us and save us. But now there are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you did not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Jehoshaphat recalls who God is. God, you're the ruler of all the kingdoms of the world. You're the kingdom, you're ruler of all the nations. You are the one with all the power. You are the one who can change our situation. He knows that if God is on their side, they will be saved. But they need God on their side. And so he recalls the promises God has made to them. He said, Lord, you promised that this land would be ours. And that land over there would be theirs. That's why we didn't invade them. You told us not to, so we left them alone. Lord, you promised that if we came before you in our distress and cried out to you, that you would hear us and save us. And here we are, the people of Judah in Jerusalem, praying to you. Then he makes this plea to the Lord. Verse 12, our God, will you not judge them? We have no power to face this vast army. We don't know what to do. Our eyes are on you. After recalling who, who God is and his promises, they recognize that they are helpless. And so they rely on God. They rely on God. And an amazing thing happens. They get a reply to their prayer. Uh, I kind of wish I got verbal replies to my prayers. Uh, it would make it a lot easier to know uh, what's going on and what I should do. Uh, but I think it's important to note that what we get is not a different outcome from the promise, but more details. If they hadn't received this verbal uh, instruction, God still would have saved them. But here, they actually get to hear the details of what's going to happen. Here's what it says in uh, verses 15. Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem... This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. 
Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face him tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. They're not going to have to do a thing. They just have to show up. And even though God has told them exactly what will happen, it's not going to be stress-free. Twice he tells them, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. You don't tell that to someone unless they're likely to be afraid and cowardly. And so they go, having faith in God, trusting that God is going to pull through on his word, knowing that if God doesn't pull through, they're dead men. They're not big enough to fight these three armies. And so they go out and they see something amazing. God keeps his word. They don't even have to lift a finger. The three armies turn on each other and utterly destroy each other. And it's uh, a large battle. Uh, The people of Judah didn't have to lift a finger and the battle was so large that it took three days to loot all the bodies. That's a big battle. And so what we find here in this story of Jehoshaphat is that when you need guidance, going to God in prayer is the best thing you can do. When Jehoshaphat hears the terrifying news, he responds in prayer. He recalls God, who, is, who God is and his promises, and then he relies on God. Because not only does God have the power to change his his situation, he made them trustworthy promises, which he kept. Now, this is just one example in the Bible of how God keeps his promises and keeps his word. But we, we shouldn't just go, well, Jehoshaphat prayed, it went well for him, therefore, we should pray, it will go well for us. I think the principle that we actually should get from Jehoshaphat is this pattern of prayer. It's a very helpful pattern that when we need guidance, when something big comes up, we need to go to God in prayer. And when we pray, we should recall both who God is and the promises that he has made to us. The promises that we have are not the same as the promises as Jehoshaphat, nor will we necessarily receive a verbal reply like Jehoshaphat did. But we do have some amazing promises. I thought I'd share a few promises we have as Christians. Uh, In Matthew 6, uh, 25 to 26, God promises to provide for us. Verse 25 says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not not much more valuable than they? Well, how about this one in uh, Philippians 4, 6-7? Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Or this uh, last one, which I think is very pertinent to guidance. James 1 verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. There are amazing promises of provision for our needs, of peace and of wisdom. We're promised these things, we just need to 
pray. And yet, even knowing these amazing promises, there are times where I know it's the best thing to do for me, but I don't do it. Have you ever been like that? You, you know it's the best thing you could do at this time, but you just don't do it. Earlier this year, I had to find a place to live up here in Camden. Uh, we got the job uh, sort of Christmas, New Year's, and so we started looking for places. And of course, over that break, uh, all the real estates are shut. And so we're applying for these places and then going for a mad dash, seeing seven properties on one day. It's craziness. Uh, and so we finally get to see all these places. One of the places, there was literally a hundred people at this one house. It ended up going for $120 extra per week than what was advertised. Like, it was just madness. Uh, and this is the height of, like, masks and 1.5 meter rule. There was way too many people in there. And so, like, I'm stressed and worried because we, after we've applied for all these places, then you start getting the messages. Sorry, this place is no longer available. Uh, we've rented it to someone else. Oh, right, okay. And you hear it again and again. And it's rough. And so there I am, stressed. And so I think, okay. Oh, sorry. Well, I did pray, but it was more of a 30-second rush prayer. Okay, I still feel terrible and panicked, rather than the slow, deliberate prayer of Jehoshaphat. And so I actually tried to make, take things into my own hands. I called up a real estate agent. I knew we could afford a little bit more on this property, and so I offered $20 a week extra over the asking price. Got into the short list. We didn't get that property, thankfully. Uh, it turns out the property we did get was much better than that one. And it's been a wonderful property to uh, host Bible study uh, and to live in. God had it all in hand. And I could have saved myself a whole bunch of stress and worry if instead of trying to take control myself, actually just prayed and relied on God, knowing that he cares for me. You see, my heart wanted to control everything. I didn't want to have to wait and find out what would happen. I wanted to know and make it happen. That stopped me from praying, praying sincerely and relying on God. Do you have a heart for control? Is that what stops you from praying to God? That you, you don't like waiting on God, you're going to make it happen yourself? Or perhaps you have a, a heart of pride. Actually, you, you don't need God. Well, you need God for like, your forgiveness of sins, the stuff you can't do. But now that he's sorted that, the rest, I, I can do it myself. I don't need God. Or perhaps you have a downtrodden heart. That you look at yourself and think, surely I'm not worth it. Surely I'm not val valuable. That actually by praying to God, I'm just going to be bothering him. Whatever it may be that is stopping you praying, I want to point you to Jesus. When Jesus was faced with the terrifying prospect of dying for the sins of the whole world, he didn't pridefully attempt to do it on his own. And even though he could command a legion of angels to save him at any point, he didn't seek to control the situation. Instead, on the night before he died, when he needed guidance, he prayed. This is what he prayed. He prayed, Father, if you are willing, 
Take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus prayed that the cup of judgment would be taken away from him. But the father answered his prayer with a no. He said no because this was the only way that sinners like you and me could be brought into relationship with God. Jesus knew this, which is why he went willingly to die on the cross for us. If you think that you are not valuable to God, think again. Jesus was willing to die for you so you could be in a relationship with him and pray to God as your father. The more we look to Jesus and realize how much he loves us, the more we know uh, that when we need guidance, the best thing we can do is pray. Not only because God is the one who can actually do something about it, not only because God has given us amazing promises which he keeps, but also because God has shown us how much he loves us through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, the model that Jehoshaphat gives us, that when uh, hard times and terrifying times come, when we need guidance, that we ought to pray to you, that we should recall who you are and what you have promised to us and rely on you. Lord, this is not easy, it's often difficult. But we pray that we would continue to set our eyes on Jesus and know that you truly care for us, that you love hearing from us, and you want to do good for us. In Jesus' name, amen.